1: to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave and I'm the host for this podcast and with me today is Gavin Peacock. Gavin, welcome, to the, welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast.
0: Thanks Dave, great to be back.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you. Can you uh, just catch us up on what's been going on in your life, marriage, ministry and what ministry projects you've been working on?
0: Sure, yeah, well, it's been a couple of years I think since uh, I was on last. So um, yeah, in terms of marriage, past uh, 30 years of marriage in that time, so I'm very blessed uh, to have a, a strong marriage to my wife Amanda my second and youngest child uh, got married uh, Ava, so now both my kids are married, uh, to uh, godly spouses and they all live here in Calgary, Alberta and they're all members of our church our church Calgary Grace has been uh, growing in numbers uh, and I would say in uh, faithfulness uh, over this last couple of years and we've had some, uh, one or two great stories of conversion and some very powerful testimonies of uh, of people really growing in the Lord, and in terms of my wider ministry, uh, up until obviously the last few months, my uh, I'm a, I'm a, one of the pastors here, associate pastor at Calvary Grace Church in Calgary. But um, I also have a, a wider ministry where I travel and speak globally on issues of biblical sexuality uh, as the director of international outreach for CBMW, that's the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And I'm also invited to go preach and and, and do seminars and, and and other things, evangelistic things. And that's been growing. Uh, significantly in the last few years so yeah, I've been travelling to China and, uh, and and to Africa, to lots of places in the United States as people uh, have invited me to seminaries and churches and then finally, in terms of writing um, I've just uh, written a series uh, with Dr. Owen Strand off the back of a book called The Grand Design that we published with Christian Focus, or probably about five years ago now, The Grand Design laying out God's design for sexuality, complementarian uh, understanding of, of sexuality and out of, the, of that we came up with the idea of writing three short books on what does the Bible teach about lust number one, what does the Bible teach about homosexuality number two and what does the Bible teach about transgenderism number three and they just got released last month and they are aimed at the church at Q level but to be theological, but theologically robust but uh, practically helpful as well and then just finally on the writing I've finished my own autobiography my own biography that's at the moment in its first draft and with some uh, publishers um, and I'm just waiting to hear back.
1: On that wonderful brother um well it's uh it's great to be able to chat with you again i think it has been a couple years and and these uh these books are all excellent um as you said they're they're very uh very helpful intended for a lay audience and they're very successful in that i believe so thank you guys thank you for writing with uh owen mm-hmm. mm-hmm. can you uh tell us about your book what does the bible teach about lust uh that you wrote with owen why you guys wrote it and how you hope it'll be received.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, what does the Bible teach about lust is is the first of the trilogy, if you like. And, um, you know dr strand and I've been talking for a few years about this this issue that we've seen increasingly become a problem in in the visible church and and you know keep hearing the language of uh, I I'm struggling with lust I'm I'm addicted to lust and and almost in a way um, at some level an acceptance of well I'm just struggling quote unquote as if it's just part of you know the normal thing of being a, a human being a man of God and and not just a man of God a, a, a woman of because I mean, the the problem with lust and pornography has increased with women um, hugely in the last few years. We saw it almost being. Uh Something that's become an insurmountable problem, uh, and something that's been growing, and, and almost, uh, as I say, silently accepted. So we we got our heads together and thought, well, you know, starting with lust, we'll, we'll form this trilogy, move to homosexuality, move to move to transgenderism, and and we wanted to lay out the problem that the people are struggling, but that struggling means that there's an actual defeat that's happening here, and that one of the the, the key issues is that we've um, we've missed. Uh, identified the the depth and the location uh, of the problem. that lust itself is is a sinful desire, but it's at desire level that it's sinful, not just at action level, not just even at fantasy level. No, it goes deeper to the very first impulse uh, of of lust. And so we wanted to lay that out very clearly, biblical uh, foundations in the first couple of chapters, and then in the second couple of chapters in in, in the book, we, we lay out how Christ is powerful. So you've got that sin is more deep uh, and, and, and more pervasive than we think but the gospel is more powerful than we think and so I kind of take the second two chapters and lay out really uh, what is the doctrine of union with Christ and the great hope that we can have there of, of defeating lust not just living in some kind of half-baked Christianity but actually have uh, defeat now we're not promoting Christian perfectionism by any means at all but we are promoting a robust uh, striving for holiness, a working out our salvation to fear and trembling but you've got to locate the problem clearly first and then you've got to apply the solution readily um, and at the back of the book we, we have some frequently asked questions uh, which are helpful and we also include a testimony of somebody that, that I've pastored uh, in my own church who's gained victory in this area so that's just a little outline of, of, of the book on lust um, very briefly anyway
1: yeah that's that's really really good you know I, I, I see you right and uh, on social media on, on this on the top of lust and temptation, a great deal, and, and you always have very helpful things to say. Uh, what What would you say are a few of the most significant challenges for for men and women on this topic?
0: Well, um, we we do live in an in an age where um, pornography, uh, for instance, is very readily available. Uh, you know. When I think back to even when I was a, a kid, you know, to to get a hold of pornography, you know, it was a, wasn't an easy thing for a, uh, an underage person. It was maybe magazines in a in a store that were on the top shelf, and you know, that people, young people, were struggle to even pursue that. There now, it's a click of a, a button on your phone or or, or or a mouse button on the computer, and and the average age of children being exposed to pornography is 11 years old and going down. It's going down as well in terms of so that exposure then becomes a problem from a young age so that in the many people in the church have been exposed to pornography uh, from a, a young age or it's just become more and more accepted in the movies and in the, in, the, in the music lyrics that we hear of in the general social media all around so there is that that uh, problem of it being uh, very available and, and 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 in your face, and then I don't think that there's been good in terms of challenges. I don't think that there's been good teaching on the topic. Not not in terms of uh, what we've been talking about in our books. Else we wouldn't have written them. You know, we thought there was a real niche here to be um, to be dealt with. And as I come back to it, uh, the the impulse itself. So some people will say to you, "Well, I agree that uh, that a, a lustful uh, impulse is, is sinful." Uh, Lust, lust is sinful, sorry. But an uninvited impulse is not something I should repent of. I mean, you know, I didn't premeditate that. And we're saying, though you didn't premeditate it, you must repent of it. You must confess it as sinful and repent of it, else you're not slaying it at its root. And that is far from being defeating, it's actually life giving. Because as I say, you're actually dealing with it at root level rather than just allowing it as part of the kind of, you know, human save but, you know, not yet perfect. Affected condition that we're in. No, we need to be aggressive with this. And so I, I, in terms of that, teaching and then teaching on then how you would uh, minister some, to someone who's confessed an issue of lust in your church. Uh, lay, we lay out some foundations of uh, of how you're to uh, maybe counsel someone. Um, I lay out, you know, my own kind of, uh, my own sort of framework for doing it as I've done it with people, even in my ministry, and seen great, uh, great effect. Um, and I think those two things combined the availability of it and the lack of teaching have become real problems for the for men and women today. Uh, yeah, that,
1: that's really well said. You, you just mentioned your approach. Can you tell us a little bit about that uh, towards ministering to people on this issue?
0: Yeah. I, so, for instance, if a if a young guy would, would come to me um, or or a young. Woman and confess an issue, and it would be a little bit different for both. So um, the first thing I want to assess with the person is: are, are they a Christian? Now, you know the, that's the key. I mean, they might be, you know, just someone that's attending your church. If they're in membership, you're assuming that they are a Christian. If they're not a Christian, they need to be saved. That's the first thing. If they if they are a Christian, then you're dealing with someone that's born again but has, has, has slipped into sin. Um, if someone comes to me and they confess that sin and they seek help, I'm glad because first of all, they're showing a the humility. And a desire to um, to be helped. If they were in any position of leadership uh, in terms of worship or anything like that, we put I pull them out of that. The elders, the rest of the elders, would pull them out of that. They they, they can't be. Uh, it's incongruous, you know, to be uh, up front in, in leadership whilst leading, you know, a life that where you are um, caught in a in a significant pattern of sin here. But then I I want to lay out a few things. Uh, first is accountability. Uh, I'll set up um, an accountability uh, partner. Mentor. Uh, that person needs to be of the same sex. So that's why it's, it's different. If it's a woman that would come to me, I would put her with a with a, a godly older woman. Uh, someone who of maturity um Titus to man or woman that's the first thing if I'm if I'm doing this accountability with someone they need to text me every week so so the discipline straight away because discipline is clearly lacking in their life text me every week you know has there been any instances of, uh, of watching pornography what about a desire level those kinds of things that's been very helpful for people that that weekly text but at the same time I say you can call me at any time uh you know if you're feeling tempted or or you need to talk about something you know I'm open to, any time for you to call me, but accountability is key, and, and things flow from there. That's that's number one. The second thing I would say is that they need to understand God's design for men and women and sexuality. So really, they need to understand Genesis 1 and 2, that God creates man, male and female, in his image um, so that we have equality, but different straight away. And in the next line, after Genesis 1, 27, he says, go forth and multiply. So therefore, there is a multiplication that's going to take place. in a between the man and the woman, which means there's a functional difference between the two uh, as well as a physical difference and that functional difference is actually played out in Genesis 2 as well, where the man is called to have a primacy of working and keeping and the woman as his helper and then they come together in the marriage relationship. The only place for sexual activity and union and part of that will be to um, produce children uh, and obviously affirm the covenant which points to Ephesians 5 ultimately in Christ and the church. So understanding Christian design for, for sex and sexuality is key. One, one young guy said to me, I've, ne- I've never thought of it like that before in my life, and, and it's great and glorious purpose. It is key that any thinking and acting, touching, outside of the of the purpose of God for marriage between one man and one woman for life, is a sinful uh, desire that we need to turn away from. So we, we want to say that marriage is good and desire for marriage is good, but lust for a person or, or, of the opposite sex is is a sinful thing. So the end of your desire is what determines whether it's sinful or not. So understanding God's design would be the second thing. We would, I would also say that that person needs to preach the gospel to themselves daily, who they are in Christ, sin forgiven, no condemnation anymore, uh, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, united to the second person of the Trinity, uh, Father in heaven now, Uh, access to the throne of grace a great inheritance to come Um, this is who you are you're not that person anymore that's lusting you turn away from what you were and what you are now you almost look at Colossians 3 you put off what you were and you put on who you are in Christ you need to be a fourthly a person of prayer so you combine that with prayer you need to be also avoiding temptation so where are you at your most weak? what times of day what circumstances And, and keep your yourself away from those situations uh, the next thing is to turn at first impulse not just you know when you followed it on i would mentioned this I kind of use a sporting analogy. It's like practicing hockey or soccer. When you in practice, you you practice turning to the right with the ball or a puck. Turn and turn and turn twenty times in practice, so that you don't even think about it in the match day. That's how you need to act with this thing. Another thing that I will put in in place is to practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. It undercuts sexual sin because sexual sin, at last, is actually an example of one who is not grateful to God for all they have, and they want to take something that's not bears but when you're grateful to god for all you have in christ it undercuts sexual sin and ephesians 5 at the beginning there uh even explains that to us um and finally is to look at jesus you know when we talk about looking at the gospel we're talking about looking at a person the person of christ and you know i i encourage people to read the gospels who Jesus is—he walked and talked and slept and cried with people on this earth. He died and rose again uh, for those who would believe in him. He promises to never leave or forsake, and he's coming back again. Those kind of things is we, we're we're united to a person. I think putting those kind of uh, things in place in the um, in the mentoring in the counselling process has proved extremely uh, successful uh, in helping people overcome loss.
1: That's uh, that's really really. A good answer. I, in particular, I, I think. I mean, getting to the root of it is extremely important. But uh, talking about what kind of person you are is, and and what kind of person God wants you to be, according to your specific gender. I think that right there yeah. is is the most neglected aspect of teaching uh when it comes to pornography i mean you got all these you know tips and things that you can do to to be you know quote unquote better christian of course you just address that whole idea and and I, I completely agree but but what kind of person what kind of person does god want you to be you know, uh, and how does he want you to function? That is just, in my mind, and you know I read a lot, I think that's probably the most neglect, neglected aspect and the most important part of, of this particular series of books because it's just so, it's so neglected on this subject.
0: Well, the other thing is, Dave, is that, you know, you think about when you become a Christian, you become part of the church. And, of course, the church is spoken of in familial terms, but also in gender-specific terms. So you you think of, um, you think of 1 Timothy 5, and, you know, that you're to treat older women like mothers, older men like fathers fathers and younger women uh, like sisters in all purity and thereby by younger women treat younger men like brothers so therefore you have that familiar language but also it's gender specific and so understanding that is so key then and so oh, this is we have clear instruction in the scriptures and that we can be who we're called to be by God's design even in creation you know that man as, as to have that sense of protection even and, and provision appropriately so to, towards a, a woman and the woman to have that that sense of nurturing and helping appropriately so uh, towards a man played out then in those particular uh, relationships and within the context of marriage then the, the the sexual union becomes good and even something that you ought to be doing uh, on a regular basis as first Corinthians seven points out uh, because it is good for for the marriage but outside of the marriage it's something uh, that is not good so you can honor god as a as a single man or woman as much with your sexuality by by your chastity outside of marriage as you do uh, as a married man or woman by honouring and keeping the marriage bed pure within the marriage. So getting foundations is right, is is key. Foundations of who you are, creating the image of God, male or female, uh, redeemed by Christ, but redeemed not just as Christian, but Christian man or Christian woman. And and, and then how you're to, to act out of that.
1: Yeah, that's really a good answer. How, how do you handle the tough cases of counseling those who are habitually enslaved pornography and, and they don't seem to either see a way out or they refuse to repent of their lust?
0: Yeah, well, both of those, I mean, to see, don't see a way out would be you're, you're working with people to see that if they are a Christian, they do have all they need. Uh, if there's a refusal to repent, then that's a case of church discipline, uh, where that you know you'd follow the process of Matthew 18. We want to be patient. We want to give people uh, time. At, this, at the same time, if there's refusal to repent, then it's church discipline. It's incongruous to be a. L- there's no such thing as a lustful Christian. Put it that way. You are a Christian. You might be a Christian who experiences lust and has had a significant problem with lust, but lust ought not to define you. If lust is your ongoing lifestyle from which you refuse to repent, then that calls into question your um, profession of the Christian faith. If it's a case of a person who is... more despairing, then it, it's a case of, I think, getting to the bottom of the issue of why are you despairing? I mean, in, in of itself, there's a sin issue there. You know, a lack of a, a proper grip of the gospel, a lack of uh, faith in in, in in Christ and all he is for you, a misappropriation uh, of the gospel, whatever it might be. So some, uh, I always like to, to think of, you know, the the book of Jude and, and how he talks of, you know, there are some people who are doubting right at the end and, and you need to come alongside them. There are some people you need to snatch from the fire and then there's some people that are really deep stuck in entrenched in sin that you need to go down and you but you must be careful that you don't get affected as it were so almost Judith is giving us a course of, of biblical counseling where there is different courses for different horses and so we need a biblical wisdom with the particular person is, is to discern where they're at and, and whether they need that sharp yank out of of a of a situation where they need some patient teaching and all way along, um, I think we're looking for, um, you know, a a significant uh, victory in the area. So, for instance, it's a question we ask as elders now on our membership interviews, process. Hmm. It never used to be, but now, because the, as I say, the problem has been accepted so readily, we say, do you have a problem uh, with lust? Pornography, men or women—they're called to answer that question. If there is a, a, an answer of "yes, I do," then we're saying, "Well, you know, then there could be a problem here. So we need to maybe hold back on the membership thing, and they will be maybe on a period of probation for a while, where they work with one of the pastors, because it's something that we can't—we don't—we we should have no tolerance for. Uh, now, if someone is already a member of the church and they've come in and then they have confessed, they're showing a need for help and a willingness to be. Then I think it's a case of no, you're not being put out of the church, you're being counseled under a church discipline, if you like, in terms of discipling. And it's something where, yeah, it, it might be that there is a more of a longer period before we see a significant, uh, significant success. But um, either way, you know, we are working towards where it's not happening at all on any regular basis, recognizing that people will have impulses of lust or anger or envy, but potentially all. Of their Christian life, but is it marking you out? Uh, are you following it through with by looking at pornography? Those kind of things um, uh, are, not, are not acceptable to the Christian and the Christian life.
1: Yeah, I think that's. I think that what that shows is that there's not a cookie cutter approach. There's there's answers to it, but but there's wisdom that has to be exercised in ministering yeah. to people. And I think that that answer is really really helpful. So good job. If I can add
0: another yeah. thing. Quickly. Yes, I go thought, go ahead. We do. Yeah, we do talk about it in the book is that what in the counseling process as well i'm not just looking at okay here we've got a guy for instance and he's looking at pornography right you just got to cut that out and look at christ is i'm actually looking to uh, what john owen the puritan john owen called uh detect the flesh i'm looking for the sin beneath the sin if there is one potentially so you know the the, the presenting problem maybe he's watching pornography the issue uh beneath that is a desire for power. The idol of power is maybe the problem for this particular guy And in the pornography world. He's always the one in control and he can make it work the way he wants. So rather than actually, yes, there is the case of sexual immorality and lust is a is problem that's presented. But there is another issue of the idol of power that needs to be slain. Tim Chester, in his book, Captured by a Better Vision, uh, has an extremely helpful section uh, on, on this. And, and he's basically taking the, the, the Puritan uh, way of counselling and, and understanding the human heart and, and, and putting it to great effect. So, so that is another area that where we're talking about wise and deep heart work that we need to do with folks uh, because, you know, as you get to know people, I'm making no excuse for the sin at all, but you get to know a bit of the background, a bit of the, what's going on in their life. You get to see these other factors that are played in. Uh, you get to see the whole person, like you said, that different people are different characters, have different backgrounds and stages of life. Uh, and you also maybe see, oh, okay, sexual immorality is a problem, but here, look at this been lurking beneath. Now you're actually Really doing some deep counselling, and and you can have uh, you can have a lot, obviously long lasting, more wholesome victory. That's
1: that's extremely helpful. Very well said. What, what does repentance from pornography look
0: like? Well, repentance from pornography looks like you're not doing it anymore. But true repentance from por- pornography looks like not just that you're not doing it anymore, that you don't want to do it anymore. You don't want to look anymore. So it's not just like oh, I'd love to, I uh, want to really want to look at pornography, but you know I was doing it five. Times a week now. Now I'm not doing it any times a week, but it's you know, I really desire it. Uh, That's kind of willpower, but dealing with it at heart level, at desire level, is actually about you know, uh, not desiring because it doesn't look good anymore. Because Christ is so beautiful, Christ is more compelling than than pornography, and you can't look at Christ and pornography at the same time. So it's a matter of love in the end uh, and desire. I desire Christ and, and, and holiness and Christ likeness more than I desire pornography. So now, you know, as the proverb says about the sensuous woman, looks like a pig with a gold ring through its snout. That's what it looks like uh, to me. And, you know, we're all having that uh, holy war, or that battle in the Christian life at the desire level to fight to see Christ as more desirable than sin, whatever that sin might be. Uh, that's why we need to have uh, a good, being a good church, where well, we're hearing the gospel regularly. We need to have good um, fellowship friends uh, around us. We need to have a good devotional life being a word and prayer every day, because that is our um, is our heartbeat and our common means of grace that God has given us uh, to, to walk the Christian life and to grow in, in, in humility and holiness.
1: Well said, brother, well said. How does the gospel address those who are enslaved to lust?
0: Well, the gospel uh, is great news, clearly, because uh, the gospel deals with our sin, our the fact that we need to be just before God, justified before God, that that Christ is the one who, on the cross, stood in the place of sinners like us, who who, who then took. The uh, punishment in the wrath of the Father uh, for that sexual sin in our place, who then at the same time imputes His righteousness, His perfect righteous life, sexually pure life to us, um, that we receive that by faith, and that in Christ, then there is now no condemnation. Um, which is which is the key thing is that there's there's Christians that are, uh, are going about living too uh, lightly. Uh, the gospel rests too lightly. Uh, Upon them in terms of, uh, you know, it's okay if I lust. It's okay if I look at pornography now and again. No, no, it's not. And there are Christians that live in a low-grade guilt where they're not applied the gospel properly to themselves. Well, the first lot haven't anyway, but the second lot, the work there is no condemnation for you. That 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 sin is forgiven now. Be who you are in Christ. So good news of the gospel is, I have a new identity in Christ. I am forgiven. I am justified. There is no legal guilt now, but I am a new creation in Christ. So I do have the Holy Spirit who indwells me. I now do have the power to not sin. I don't have to uh, watch pornography and, and, and sin anymore. Uh, if I do slip into a lustful soul, there's a guilt that grips me, but it's not a legal guilt. It's a gospel guilt, where I see the Christ who has died for my sin on the cross, and I am I am grieved that he that he had to do that. I'm grateful at the same time, and I get up and I and I and I walk on in the Christian life, and I'm a debtor to grace as it were a daily Um, so so the the gospel is this great news of freedom uh, uh, freedom from legal grip freedom in terms of a new identity but also a case of there then becomes a responsibility and obligation in that because I can now overcome lust. I must overcome lust. So that's how the gospel plays in. It's not just, you know, it's the whole Christ for the whole person. That that's that's the key thing. It does come back to looking at it does come back to grace because Christ is the grace of God to us. But well, that grace calls us to action because now we actually can act and that's the beauty of the Christian life. And I think we've we've maybe in many circles, I'm talking about sin in general, moved away from that, that we must because we can now, and that's why a lot of people are living in uh, simple patterns and not realizing the fullness of the gospel for them um, and all that it does, all that Christ does accomplish.
1: Yeah, they're doing as Dietrich Bonhoeffer said in costly discipleship. They're cheapening grace. Yes, when grace is when grace is costly.
0: Cheap, cheap, cheapening grace, and then not. In one sense, uh, and then you've got that sort of libertarian spirit, and then uh, and then on the other side, just just not realizing all you have and what you can. Uh, be in Christ, um, you know. I, as well, I, I think of the I think of the prodigal son. You know, there was we need to look at the father in heaven and see how generous he's been to us. And like the prodigal son, he didn't see how generous the the father was to him. So he turned away and said, "I'm not. I'm going to walk away." And then you got the the older brother who didn't recognise the generosity of the father either, and yet he thought, "I'll just earn my, you know, I earn my right," and 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 you've just been stingy to me. And so either one both of them was uh, was sinfully at fault in slightly different ways but the heart of it was they didn't see the generosity and grace of the father and we need to see the generosity of the grace of the father to us in Jesus Christ then we will overcome uh, the the twin pitfalls of um, you know a a libertarianism um, uh,
1: well said brother where can people go out go online to find out more about your work on social media or otherwise
0: well um, on social media I'm most Active on Twitter, so it's um gpeacock8 on, on, on Twitter that's a capital G, capital P, uh, and, and the rest is lowercase gpeacock and number 8. I'm also on uh Facebook and Instagram, uh, though I'm I'm a bit old for Instagram, I, I think I don't put pictures up too quickly and easily, and I don't take pictures too well. So there, that's my social media, and of course, then any of the I, I've got my uh website I write on now and again gavinpeacock.net and then uh the Calvary Grace website are all my sermons and, and some writings that I've done, plus the books that we've mentioned.
1: Wonderful, brother. Well, there's a lot that we could talk about about this subject, and we could go on and on about it, no doubt. But uh, just as we wrap up this conversation, do you have a few takeaways?
0: Well, I mean, you know, just in terms of, I would encourage people to, uh, you know, to, to to pick up this trilogy of books. But, you know, if you're starting with the with the last book, and to read it with a with a teachable spirit, it's very accessible. But there is depth there in the theological foundations, the practical outworkings of the gospel, the the questions that that you know that we've tried to address at the back that people are asking us as. Pastors and I mean, as a theologian, um, and how we deal with it. And just really, uh, I would say, you know, if I was to take away something from this, is that lust. Recognise that lust is a very real problem. You know, uh, it's a problem, but it's a problem of the heart. So it is deeper than we realise. But also recognise that Christ is way more powerful. Uh, that, that we have a Jesus Christ. You know, we look around us at the moment in this you know pandemic that we're facing, and then all of the uh, civil unrest that, that that we're seeing in, in countries around the world and you just can't get away from the simple fact that the, the root problem is always sin and the sure solution is always Christ and you don't get around that you can't get around it and you can't get past it but if you focus on it then you've got a great chance of victory and true joy and true hope.
1: Gavin thank you so much for your time today you you have been uh, inc- given incredibly helpful uh, answers to these questions they are biblical they're helpful Um, I encourage our listeners to go ahead and pick up these books. Uh, They are accessible. They're easy to read, as Gavin and uh, you'll hear Owen uh, next week. But um, talk about, I I also encourage you guys to follow both of these men. They post incredibly helpful content on social media and their writing. Um, They're doing important work. So I want to commend them to you and encourage you to follow them. Thanks for your time, brother. I really appreciate you. Oh, thanks, Nate.